The greatest gift we can ever give anybody is learning to actually make peace with all the spectrum of our own emotions. Mm -hmm. And then who we be, it's not about doing anything. It's not about fixing anyone. It's not about giving feedback. It's not about coaching. It's about being a silent witness from a place of love. Welcome to Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? I'm Emily Fletcher, and I believe that bliss is your birthright. That's why I'm calling on my world-class network to uncover the most potent, spine-tingling, even taboo healing modalities, all so you can reclaim your bliss. Let's do this. Sweet friends, today is the day. Welcome to our very first episode of Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? And I cannot think of anyone that I would rather birth this show into existence with than my dear friend, Blue. Now, Blue is hilarious. She is so intelligent. She's an entertaining storyteller and activation artist, which you're going to find out what that means. She's the host of a show called Deja Blue and the co-founder of Fluorescence, which is a modern mystery school, which we're going to find out what that means in the conversation as well. Now, one of the fascinating things about Blue is that she's dedicated the past decade of her life to understanding the medicinal nature of the plant kingdom. And her name is an acronym that means beauty, love, and unity. I can tell you firsthand that that is what this woman does. She anchors these frequencies of beauty, love, and unity into her art, into her work, into her friendships. And interestingly, which we talk about, is a lot of her genius was born out of her journey with hearing loss. This has actually gifted her with this extrasensory perception far beyond the five senses. I fell so much deeper in love with her during our conversation, and I hope that you do the same. She does a beautiful job of sharing how we can all find magic in the mundane moments and how to figure out if our routines are depleting us or nourishing us. She talks about her prediction for what she thinks is happening in society in 2027 and this crazy moment that launched her creative career that involved a vision board, a lion, and the boy band One Direction. So enjoy our very first episode, and I am excited to hear what you think in the comments. All right, family, listen up for a very exciting announcement. I am starting something called Bliss Activations. This is a time for us to come together, for us to meditate live, and to answer your questions, for us to join in ceremony, for us to pray together. And this is an offering that I am making as a gift. I know that people are dealing with loneliness. I know that people are hungry on how they can deepen their own spiritual journey. And that is what Bliss Activation is for. All you have to do is go to zivameditation.com slash bliss, and you will get everything you need to know to join me for the next Bliss Activation. So there's no tricks, there's no strings. It's just go to zivameditation.com slash bliss, and then we get to interact live in person because teaching live is my most favorite thing. And I feel so excited to hear what you've learned from the podcast, to hear what you are implementing, and to share how you can deepen your journey through Ziva. All right, I love you, and I will see you at zivameditation.com slash bliss. So I just learned today that blue means beauty, love, and unity, three frequencies that she has dedicated her life to substantiating here on this plane, on this planet for all of us. So Blue, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I love you already, and I know I'm going to love you even more at the end of this. How are you feeling? Well... First and foremost, it's really fun to be sitting in uh, the space that is usually my studio uh, and to be introduced in this way. Like, I'm always the one that's hosting and introducing others and just 
receiving your beautiful words and receiving the way that you hold the space and receiving the way that you're navigating your podcast and the activations and the energetic layers that it's taken for us to even start this podcast now. <laughs> and like, I'm sweating. I'm going to have to keep my arms down because I've got like some major sweat patches going on because we're, we've been like going through an activation. It's been a whole journey just to get to this point. So how I'm feeling <laughs> is ecstatic, alive, present, elevated, inspired, um, grateful, and like, deeply seen through your introduction. So thank you so much for giving me the honor of being able to be a part of what you're creating right now. It's, it's really special. So we have one zillion things to talk about. <laughs> I have a zillion point agenda. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but let's start with, with this simple yet profound concept of, of why isn't everyone playing and praying and what do those things mean to you play and prayer mm. I gave a talk at the Conscious Life Expo recently and I was really having a little bit of um fear that what I was going to talk about wasn't actually going to be of value because it was so simple and yet actually I'm realizing that the simplicity is where the genius lies and the simplicity in the mundane is what everyone has access to However, these highlight reels of our lives through Instagram and we're looking on Instagram stories and we've got filters and then we see these people that are living these incredible lives and traveling here and with these humans and doing this activation and we're sitting in bed for the second day in a row with the shutters closed, having no motivation to get out of bed and being like, oh, I'm less than, I'm unworthy, my life isn't as good as X, Y, and Z. Because actually we're not realizing that a life of miraculous success um, and we'll go into breaking down what I believe success is but creations or beauty is actually born from a million mundane moments mm. and the mundane moments is accessible for everybody so what are we actually doing with the mundane moments which is the brick and mortar of the house that we're building that eventually we get to share with others and so the brick and mortar of our lives is the mundane which can be infused with play and prayer or it can be infused with living in future or past timelines what I mean by is like our, th our thoughts of worrying about what happened in the past or worrying about what's going to happen in the future, which is the place of where suffering exists. Mm. When we're actually really present, we're not suffering because we are with whatever is around us. And so the play and prayer piece is medicine that can be infused into the mundane moments that is accessible to everybody. Mm. Doesn't matter what job it is that we do. It doesn't matter what our lives look like. It doesn't matter what skin color we are. It doesn't matter what money we have in our bank account because recognizing actually the genius of a child is found in their ability to be in their imagination in the mundane moments. Now, something happened. There was something that disconnected us from that as adults. Now, there's this quote that I really deeply resonate with. It's the creative adult is the child that survived. The creative adult is the child that survived. Wow. And so we've been pushed through the education systems for the most part that has encouraged our sameness. Hmm. We are graded from the same grading scale. We are not celebrated for our uniqueness being our power, but we're celebrated when we actually get a certain good grade based off of everybody else's grades also within the same test. Now, there is a diluting of our unique personal power within that process that actually gets us very disconnected from the pulse of what it actually means to be alive. Now, that pulse is the very place that we manifest from recognizing that we're living in a vibratory reality as within so without cause and effect is as real as the law of gravity what we emanate is what we receive in what return. kind of reality did you say we're living in what kind of reality a vibrational reality vibrational so if you were okay. to look at uh, what i mean by that is if you were to look at a cell under a microscope you would see actually it's not just stagnant it's vibrating 
it holds a certain charge, it's energy. Now we have about 75 trillion cells in our body and they have two jobs, to listen and respond. That's really it. And listening and responding to what, about average 60,000 thoughts a day. Those 60,000 thoughts a day, the majority of them are in the mundane moments. Now our body is literally responding to our internal narrative of how we're perceiving the mundane moments. And how would you define mundane moments? Just like I'm making oh, my coffee, I'm going to the toilet. I'm, I'm going to go make my morning drink. Then I'm going to get in the shower. Then I'm going to clean my room. And then I'm going to go to the grocery store. I've got to go get some groceries. Oh, and then I'm going to pick up my dog shit outside. <laughs> and then I'm going to take a shit. <laughs> and I, like, these are all the little mundane moments, yeah. but the majority of our lives are, consi- are made up of those. Yeah. Now, if you look at a genus of a child, you'll see that the child will sit next to a cardboard box. And that cardboard box is not a cardboard box. That, car- that is a rocket ship to the moon. Now, you know Jasper, right? Like your ability to play is reactivated through the lens of your son. The universe doesn't speak English or French or German. The universe speaks energy. So if I'm sitting in a cardboard box and I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm going to the moon. This is amazing. Oh my, it's so much fun. Woo! <laughs> the universe is responding to that energy, therefore creating more magical uh, dimensions or magical ways in which we perceive our reality through the law of cause and effect. What you emanate is what you receive. So as adults, we get to this certain point where we have now started seeing it as a cardboard box. And then it gets thrown away and it just goes into the pile and it creates this very monotonous tone throughout our existence. And Richard Rudd in The Gene Keys talks about one of the greatest diseases on the planet is over-seriousness. Mm. It's actually a disease. It's shutting ourselves down. And so the invitation when I started really understanding this was where am I living from the outside in based off of what I, society deems successful? And how can I renegotiate my relationship with what success is based off of how much did I laugh today? Mm. How can I renegotiate my definition of success based on how much I laugh today? Well, I don't think I've ever, ever heard anyone define success as how much I laugh today. That's, that's yes. literally 75 trillion cells in my body are going, good job. <laughs> Great job. If I have a photo of my five-year-old self on my altar, that's the only person I want to impress ever. Uh. And she knows that her success barometer is founded on how much she laughed today. Like what we just did. That was a mundane moment, but it, then it became not a mundane moment. It became a very magical moment. You mean our, our air didgeridoo? Oh, we just did some, like, ditch playing <laughs> slash, like, gyrating on the floor <laughs> slash pulsing and looking at each other's eyes and having a moment and sending a prayer up. Or we could have sat down on two chairs, taken a sip from our drink, and gone right into the podcast. But you chose to utilize the mundane moment to recognize that you're actually manifesting with your energy in that moment. So you just got us and built the space to an ecstatic place then blasted out to the ethers. So that, of course, then will set the, the, the tone for this podcast. It's a very mindful, conscious, intentional manifestation that you're doing. So when we realize that every single moment we are manifesting, consciously or unconsciously, I personally would rather bring it into my conscious mind. So it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be doing things I don't want to do. That's just inherently laced into life. But it's when I am standing at TSA, who am I being? <laughs> I'm going to play. I'm going to have a chat with the person in front of me. I'm going to find out who this person is behind me. Why eight of all 8 billion people on this planet is this person standing behind me? There's a reason for that. Lucky them. Lucky and them. maybe lucky you. You're welcome, straight <laughs> out. <laughs> It's so funny because our, in our group text, our friend Layla was just flying today and she said the TSA agent was flirting with her. It was like, nice photo, nice signature, nice fingerprints. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
like whoever complimented yeah. someone's fingerprints. <laughs> but like the talk about making a mundane moment magical. And it etched into her consciousness that then led her to the group chat that then texted us and individually we're all in our rooms going, ha ha ha. <laughs> like, it yeah. got blasted out, but it was what we call a pattern interrupt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And how would you define the difference between manifestation and prayer? I don't think that there's too much of a difference in the sense of um, our attention and our intention placed on the same thing will create magic. Our attention and intention placed on the same thing will create magic. So So I'm putting my attention on something and I have an intention for what I want to have happen. That is where the magic lies. Yeah, so it, it covers like many different areas. But for example... I can wake up in the morning and I can go on my phone and I can look at my to-do list and I can look at my schedule and I can look at all of the text messages I haven't responded to. So I've just gone from the infinite realm of transversing through the dreaming, the dream state where I can be anything and everything, any all at once, because that <laughs> is the infinite realm not is binded, not binded by the 3D reality. Now I wake up and I come back into this 3D reality, back into this confine of this body. And all of a sudden I go straight into my phone and my to-do list. Now you can imagine I have gone from this vast state to very deep constriction. And then my nervous system pushes the first domino for my day from that place. Or I could keep my phone in airplane mode, sit in front of my altar, send my attention and my intention to 10 things I'm grateful for. I can cleanse myself with some kapow smudge. I can pull a card or a message for the day, do a 10 minute meditation. I can say my mantras that are activating me into a into a deep state of prayer and presence and beta state. And then from that place, start my day. That pushes the first domino. Hmm. So attention and intention is our currency. Our attention is our spiritual currency. Mm -hmm. We're literally paying attention. Yeah, it's the most valuable thing we have. Our time and our attention, the most valuable valuable. things we have. So where are we spending them? On other people's Instagram reels or on the divine, on our dreams? And I can tell you that I'm not sitting here saying that I... I'm like get, doing it every single day. I'm not. I oscillate. I go back and forth. But what I have learned is the discernment of that that enriches my spirit and that that depletes it. And when I'm doing something that depletes my spirit, oh, I know about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I, I'm sc- I don't feel good. I feel this existential dread when I open Instagram sometimes. I'm like, oh, like it doesn't feel good. But becoming self-aware is not, I am an all enlightened and I have got it all figured out and I am perfect. Not at all. I'm just really self-aware of my own bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, Calling I'm doing that back. again. Probably should shift that. Yeah, and this <sighs> thing about being resourced, like, is this enriching me or is this depleting me? Like, we had a conversation in the sauna the other day about, like, you know, things that are coming, the changing frequency of the planet, which I'd love to get into in a moment. But but the thing that's been coming in hot for me as of late is, like, with the, with the precious time that we have where we're not working, where we're not with our kids, where we're not, like, in the quote-unquote grind of the matrix, mm-hmm. like, it feels imperative that we are using that time to actually resource ourselves that we are using that time to really fill ourselves up one because it's fun in the now Mm. and because we don't really know how things are going to change moving forward we know they're going to and we can predict that the the rate of change is going to speed up Mm. but it feels to me like we really want to be able to discern like you were saying what is depleting me and what is resourcing me and then consciously choose to put our time and attention on the things that are resourcing us so that we can use that in whatever way we want Mm -hmm. and so thank you for for bringing that up of like not about being perfect but just determining Mm -hmm. what's depleting what's what's replenishing Mm -hmm. and that's what it means to be the medicine is that 
to be in the presence of somebody where your nervous system feels completely relaxed is usually a byproduct of months, if not years, of them choosing enrichment over depletion. Mm. Of them saying, you know what, I'm going to eat this food because it has life force chi energy. You know what, I'm going to sit for five minutes and face face my face into the sun because it activates my energy. You know what, I'm actually going to go do breath work and jump in the cold plunge and do sauna because I feel like I get that shot of, of, of life force energy yeah. running through my body to start my day. Yeah. Now, to be in the presence of somebody that is the medicine is impacted. They packed themselves with so many mundane small decisions based off of a place of that that enriches. Mm. now eventually it just gets to the point where you can sit in a space with somebody they don't say a single word and their presence alone is already medicine and ultimately that's the birthright of our truth anyway we are inherently worthy just by being alive just by being born however we can only give to that which we've unlocked within ourselves we can only give that which we've unlocked within ourselves can you say more about that so if i'm making many many small decisions that is enriching myself that is usually founded from a place of self-love. These are acts of self-love. So if I'm actually learning to love all aspects of my own psyche, the crunchy, the shame, the guilt, the pain, the unworthiness, when they present themselves, I soften deep and into it. And then when I am creative and in love and connection and unity, I get to allow myself to trust that the most sacred thing is what is and whatever is presenting itself, I will love this into wholeness. Then I can then sit in the presence of you and you go and have a moment of a breakdown or a cry or feeling stressed out. And I'm going to sit here with the most loving, patient, compassionate version of myself to truly love you in the the space holding because I've been able to do that for myself. This feels so big. Like, and I just want to highlight and underscore this. Like if we don't know how to hold space for ourselves and that word gets thrown out around a lot, hold space. Like, what does that mean? It means like compassionate awareness, compassionate witnessing. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know how to do that for ourselves, how on earth could we do that for someone else? Right. Like I don't love my own sadness. Mm -hmm. I judge my own sadness. I don't love my own injury. I judge my own injury. So if someone else is in a moment of vulnerability, if they're in a moment of pain, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to try and fix that or change it because it's making me uncomfortable because I don't know how to sit with my own discomfort. And it would be like the internal voice is like, ugh. Like, oh, I'm here. But like, ugh, it doesn't matter about what externally you're doing. Because actually when we're operating on an energetic standpoint, every single thought emanates a certain charge out. So in the presence of somebody, you can feel so seen and so loved and they haven't said anything because internally they're probably really seeing you and loving you. Mm. There's also the flip side of that. You can meet someone and be like, something's off, but everything externally seemed fine. Something my intuition is picking up on something that I don't feel fully safe in their presence. Well, probably they're judging you. God, what is she wearing? Hi. Acid in the eyes, yeah, honey on the you lips. You can hear it in the tone of the voice. You can feel it. There's just like I don't feel safe to unravel in the presence of this individual. So yeah. the greatest gift we can ever give anybody is learning to actually make peace with all the spectrum of our own emotions. Mm. And then who we be, it's not about doing anything. It's not about fixing anyone. It's not about giving feedback. It's not about coaching. It's about being a silent witness from a place of love. Mm. Mm. A silent witness from a place of love. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to the cardboard box, right? So it's like we as adults, it's like, oh, it's a cardboard box. It's a crystal. It's a thing of juice. It's a slipper, Mm -hmm. right? But my son Jasper, four and a half, you as as the the adult whose child survived Uh can see that thing is really 
whatever your imagination can conceive. Um, but I, I heard you tell a story about the first time you ever did um, psilocybin, the first time you ever did mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And you're coming from a life of, you know, boarding school, professional athlete, working at a big time production company, like sort of like, you know, more like quote unquote prestigious, very like disciplined background. And then your neighbor offers you this chance to do psilocybin or magic mushrooms. And you said, I saw the tree for what it actually was instead of what my preconceived notion of what a tree was. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a fascinating insight because I think a lot of people who have not done any sort of psychedelics, a lot of people who have never really altered their state of consciousness through breathwork or medicine or even deep meditation have a fear that if I take something, it's going to alter my perception away from reality. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this 3D reality, this is fixed. And if I take something and I, and I shift that, then I'm going to go into something that is not real and that is scary. And so what was fascinating to me is that when you saw those trees and you saw the way that they were breathing and the way they were interacting with each other, that to you felt more real than the sort of narrow lens through which you were perceiving a tree before. And that to me seems quite parallel and analogous to the cardboard box, mm-hmm. right? Because like, sure, it could just be a thing, a shipping container, or you could turn it into a sled or a hat or a drum <laughs> Or a rocket ship. And so can you just sort of let us, like I would love a window into that because that moment, it did change your reality. Like I think people who are scared they're going to do psychedelics one time and it changes their life forever. They're probably right to some degree. Um, but I would love to hear you speak to like what feels more real and why in that medicine space or that imaginal space. So first and foremost, when I hear the word reality, who's reality? Right. There are four people in this room right now and including one dog and um, <laughs> basically a human. Um, and there are four different realities happening simultaneously. We're in the same room experiencing the same podcast, but all four of us, depending on the lens of all of our past life experiences up until this point and the stories we're telling ourselves around what is, we're experiencing a very different podcast. So it would be an injust to this space for me to say this is reality. Who's reality? There's 8 billion people on the planet. There's 8 billion different realities happening simultaneously. So there's that put into place. If somebody is saying this is the truth and the way and the only way we've done, like, well, that's actually narcissism. Like, I actually, <laughs> that's quite concerning problematic behavior. Yeah. Um, however, what I'm understanding as, as, as reality is that there's two different ways of perceiving reality from my experience. There's one through the head and one through the heart. The head will say, well, I learned in school that this is a tree trunk and these are tree branches and these are the leaves and this is the way that the tree is. But my heart will perceive that this tree actually has roots and under the roots there is a mycelium network that is connecting all of this earth together through a internet technology that is nature communicating with the tree is communicating with all the other trees and the way that the sunlight is absorbed through the tree and the way that it creates this nutrients that is this beautiful cycle of reciprocity and recognizing actually the trees are communicating and they are directly linked with us as beings and they are here to teach us a deeper level of wisdom that is so far beyond our human consciousness to even a grasp or comprehend now we have to get quiet enough to even be able to hear it and therefore then falls into the category of, oh, she's a tree hugger. Well, I am. Check. <laughs> because it feels amazing to hug try a tree. Try it out. Don't a knock it till you tried it. 150-year-old grand oak tree. And I wrap my arms around that tree and instantly I feel grandfather medicine. And what I mean by that is like old, ancient wisdom keeper. And just be quiet enough to actually be able to hear what nature is saying. But this is the issue I believe on the planet is we've, not, we've stopped being able to actually hear. 
We're not hearing the repercussions of our actions. We're not hearing the repercussions of our consumerism. I don't think we want to. We don't want to. Ignorance is not bliss. Because ignorance is actually in is actually continuing to just feed this very subtle and not so subtle harm of anxiety, which is the consequences of our actions that we're creating within this earth. So yes, my my perception of reality shifted, but then also at the same time to believe that we're all operating from the same reality would be an illusion. Um, and so what I experienced was that during my early upbringing, well, when I was a child, child, I operated from the heart, and then. I went through college, I got given a name and a religion and schooling and peers and parents and everyone's perspectives and we get shitted on our whole lives, you should be this, this is what success is, da 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 da. And then eventually it came back 360 where I actually stopped perceiving the world through the mind and started feeling it again. And that's when the psilocybin was really helpful for me because it moved me from a perspective of just operating, perceiving the world through the mind and actually starting to activate a deeper level of feeling and being connected with all of life through that essence. Mm. And what a gift that you had that, that you had that medicine to activate this different way of interacting with the world before you went home and, and your brother had some interesting news where he started noticing like, hey, my, my hearing is changing. And and then you said, you know, mine is too. And then you guys went and got tested. And then, and then what happened? Like, how did that? So, P.S., I love your research, by the way. Like, you've done your research before this podcast. Thank you very much. I feel very seen. Um, and, yeah, so we went home. Both my brother and I were having a conversation with our parents and we were like, I'm really having a hard time hearing people. And it's predominantly when I'm around others that they're like, Blue, you're not hearing what we're saying. Um, And, you know, when you're hard of hearing, you don't really know that you're not hearing the sound, right? It's those that are around you. They're like, I called your name four times. I'm standing right next to you and you didn't even look at me. I'm like, oh, whoops. So this was becoming like a very consistent feedback that I was receiving and same with my brother. So we both went and got our hearing checked and... It was a complete jar to the system because both of us were diagnosed with a hereditary hearing disorder, that it was progressive, um, meaning that it's getting worse and incurable. They don't have a cure for it because they don't really know what actually created it. So both my brother and I were, were told that we were going deaf and that, that we just had to kind of figure it out. And we were given hearing aid options, but that was basically it. Um, they ran extra brain scans, check if we had any tumors or anything, and they couldn't detect what was going on. And so both my brother and I were kind of sent out into the world with a good luck sticker Mm. and a thumbs up. And I think that there's just certain things that come into our lives that we call pattern interrupts. We're doing our everyday thing and life seems to be guaranteed and I've got this person and this is happening. And then something major goes... And um, this is, you know, this is right around my Saturn return. Um, and Saturn return. What does that mean? Saturn return is when um, in your chart, your Saturn returns to um, like where in your it was astrology, when you were born. In your astrological chart. Yeah, uh-huh. in your astrological chart. And it's basically any way that you're living not in truest alignment with who you actually are, what you came here to bring, your dharma, ultimately your mission in this life or your unique sing- single fingerprint that you have to offer the world. Um, if you're not living in alignment with that, they, it, things crumble really fast. Um, and also at the same time, if you are living in alignment, then things get activated really fast in that direction too. But basically it's a massive reshift 
into or that that isn't serving into that that is actually here for you so it could be relationships it could be relationship with your body it could be relationship with family it could be relationship with finances whatever it is that's not actually serving that's taking you on a trajectory that's a couple of degrees away from what you're actually here to do Mm -hmm. is going to bring you back into center so you get this pattern interrupt at this time in life where like things need to fall away things Mm -hmm. need to come into focus and Mm -hmm. so how do you feel like that diagnosis how did it shift you how did it change you and how did it impact your relationship with play and prayer So I didn't see any play during that time. I was really, really sad. Like I started going out in group set. I couldn't go out in group settings anymore. I was over, like I, I I was overtaken by um, social anxiety uh, because you can go into a space, not only already just being in a group space, people have social anxiety. I did a talk the other day and I was like, who experiences social anxiety? 90% of the people just raise their hand in the space. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's let that breathe for a second. Everyone had to move through some level of anxiety to even come to this talk. (laughs) And then on top of that, imagine walking into a space and everyone's talking and all you hear is, I literally was not picking up the beginning and the end of the words. And so what I was perceiving was like a puppet show. And the thing on top of that is that if somebody's lost a limb or they're blind, you know how to support them because you can clearly see that they have a disability. If someone's hard of hearing or they don't know what's going on in the space, it's very lonely because no one knows what's going on. Wow. So all of a sudden, now I'm in these social situations and when I'm meeting people for the first time, it's all small talk. So I'm using every ounce of my energy just to perceive what they're saying to me when they're asking me small talk which is actually kind of just noise anyway it's a draining talk about (sighs) depleting draining it's so exhausting and so it just got to the point where i was like i don't want to go out anymore Mm. and i was working in hollywood at the time i was a producer for the oscars and, and different award shows and i was on headset so a lot of my job was to coordinate people on the red carpet and i had to be on cue And I had to leave my job because I couldn't hear what was going on in the headset anymore. So not only was I diagnosed that I was going deaf, I also lost my job. I had no money. I was living on my own in Los Angeles. I didn't have a community. And I was so broke that I had to decide whether who was going to eat tonight, my dog or myself. And it was in that place of like real deep sadness was when the patent interrupt cracked me from the foundation up. And what that did is it's I didn't feel that there was much beauty in my world at this point. And I was concerned around whether um, people would want to date me, that I would be able to do whatever it is that I wanted to do, which was to create, to, to interview brilliant minds. I always wanted to do that. Um, would I be able to hear music? Would I ever be able to sing again? Like all of these things that were a guarantee were no longer a guarantee and everything was in question. And not only was that, but I was also facing off with a steep loneliness and um, losing my job and having to go through a complete reshift of my identification. So that was when I actually started to create. So I just want to highlight this because I know earlier when we were talking about like play and why isn't everyone playing and, and you said that you'd been criticized of like, well, here you are, a, a white girl, you live in Los Angeles and like it's easy for you to play. It's easy for you to play because you have the privilege of playing. Mm-hmm. And, and so like acknowledging the fact that there are people that are in like really life-threatening situations, really destitute situations. And yet at this moment in your life, you don't have money to pay rent. You don't know if you're gonna be able to feed yourself or your dog. You've just been diagnosed with a disability. You've left your job. You've had to leave your job because you cannot do it because you literally can't hear. Mm-hmm. You don't, you can't go out in group settings. You have this isolating sort of prison. Like everything is in question. And yet you chose to create. Mm -hmm. Because I I needed to make beauty in the world. 
I couldn't see it. And I knew that when I created, I would drift into a timeless state that I was no longer thinking about what was going wrong. And I was just creating. And the more I created, the more beauty that came out of me and the more I was reminded that there is something beautiful about me. There is something in here. And art saved my life in a sense. Mm. Um, and I didn't create because I had to. I created because it was just, it was just medicine for me in that moment, mm. which then just ended up through a series of synchronicities, profound synchronicities that ensured that, oh, somebody wanted to buy this drawing. And it was literally like pencil sketches of their kids for 50 bucks a pop. But it was enough for me to just make my rent and, and just figure out the next step in front of me. And then from pencil sketches, it became pastel drawings. And then from pastel drawings, it became some, a friend came over and put a paintbrush in my hand. And I was so scared and I started painting. And then I started creating, you know, these beautiful paintings. And eventually I just... I, I started painting the lion over and over and over and over again because the lion was teaching me to have courage. I said, you may not understand it right now, but trust the process. And I promise you that if you have the courage of the lion, you will be shown the next step and everything will be taken care of. And so I, when I would paint lions, that would remind me to have the courage of the lion heart, which is the illuminated leader from the inside out. And I started painting lions nonstop. And um, eventually my that's a crazy synchronistic story. I can tell you this actually, it's quite cool. I created a vision board and um, on the back of my door, uh, I put the vision board because I saw it consciously or unconsciously every single day, at least five times a day. And on that vision board at the time, I put that I wanted to do body art for celebrities because I was used to be working with the celebrities in that, in that world. And eventually, I, I, occasionally I would go on as freelance and just do one job here and there for them. And so one morning like when I get invited back to do, to, go, to produce yeah, a show, to do the produce, but I wasn't mm -hmm. on the headset anymore. It would be like supporting with wardrobe or it was like getting the memorabilia signed because they wanted a familiar face and I needed to get a little bit of work in. So there was one morning I was in the shower and I just got a very clear message was to draw a lion on my arm. Like I would on my canvas, but on my body and become the canvas. And so I was like, okay, so I got a Sharpie is all I had. And I drew this very detailed lion on my arm. And then I went to work that day and I was sitting in the audience of watching One Direction um, do their, uh, their sound check. And I was in the audience with one other person to my right. And he comes over and he's like, wow, that lion tattoo is amazing. And I was like, thank you. I actually drew it. It's not real. I drew it myself. And he's like, wow, is that what you do? And I saw I had a choice point in that moment of showing up to the universe. Is this what you do? And I was like, yeah, that's what I do. He's like, amazing. Um, give me your email address. Um, I'm going to reach out because I'm looking to get a tattoo. And I was wondering if... Um, maybe you could draw it on for me and I'll pay you. And I was like, great, sounds amazing. He left about a couple of hours later, I get an email from him. He's like, I'm the manager for One Direction. I told them about you and they were wondering if you could come over to the hotel tomorrow and draw in them before the show, the American Music Awards, um, with, with your markers uh, so that they could try on these different tattoos. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there in the morning. <laughs> so I ran to the art supply store and I bought myself all these Sharpies, like the big Sharpies, medium Sharpies, little Sharpies. And I like, professional, them, professional. Oh, yeah, like very professional. I got a little, little, little case. I have you know, a kit. I was like, Look at me, I am an artist. <laughs> Even though I was like, you're an imposter, what are you doing? Um, and I went to the hotel and I sat down with them, me in one directional shirtless and drew on them this different requests that they wanted. And there was one that got a bulldog and one that got a dream catcher. And there was one, um, Liam from One Direction got a lion on his hand. And that night he went out for dinner and he got caught by the paparazzi walking into the restaurant with his lion hand tattoo showing. 
And the next day, my phone was blowing up and I was looking at my phone and it was in Perez Hilton. It was on the Daily, uh, Daily Mail online saying Liam from One Direction has a new lion tattoo. Is it real? Is it fake? This is the artist. Now I'm looking at this article and I see right in the background my vision board that said body art for celebrities and I had drawn a hand with a lion on it on the vision board and it was exactly the same hand and the same angle placed on this article or these many articles which ended up blowing up my art business. I became the lion lady. And everywhere I went, people wanted lion body art. Like I started painting giant lion, uh, lion paintings and selling them for $5,000 a pop that would go in restaurants. And I would do chakra lions. So every time I would paint a lion, it would activate a different chakra and the courage to activate those chakras. So all I needed to do was just keep creating. And eventually it just led to the, I'm saying this is one of many synchronistic experiences that happened, but because I was actually softening myself into a deeper level of medicine for myself and creating from that place, as opposed to creating from a place of obligation, it shifted everything in my world. Mm. Mm. I love that so much. It's like you, you placed the order, right? You, you did it, you put it on the vision board and then you create it. You, you create it for the sake of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's, cre- it's process-orientated, not goal-orientated. It's two different right. energetics. Yeah, creation for the sake of creation, for the, for the process itself. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, in your bedroom right now, there's a beautiful painting, like one of the most beautiful paintings I've ever seen of this woman with a lion across her throat and her heart, mm-hmm. right? And, and you shared with me like, oh, this is the courage to speak the truth. This is the courage to like, go into your heart. And that painting in and of itself was medicine. And so I just, I love picturing like divinity itself flowing through you, alchemizing, transmuting in real time, and that this has been your North Star. It's so, so beautiful. So how does that, like creating art, like I see how creativity like helped to save your life and creating helped to save your life. But when did play come into the picture? And when did you start thinking like, why isn't everyone playing more? And how did you go from like what seemingly was probably one of the darkest times in your life to a place where you could play in the mundane moments? I realized that my capacity in which I'm willing to die before I die, like the the feeling of the sadness and, and, and the hopelessness. It was also my capacity in which I was willing to live so that when when there was a beautiful thing that, that was brought into my life, my gratitude for it was so much deeper and wider and more encompassing because of how painful of what it is that I had just processed. And so once I started realizing that actually, you know, that if we're in operating in this non-binary experience of right and wrong, that there's a good imagine, emotion and a bad emotion, but actually it just is it's sacred because it is, and this is showing me a deeper part of myself. I love that. Whatever is, is the most sacred. Yeah, whatever is, is the most sacred thing. And um, I, I mean, since I was a child, I have been playing a lot. My parents have gifted me the opportunity because they, my father never lost touch with his ability to play. Wait, and didn't, were they like toy manufacturers? My father is Santa Claus. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, yeah. Santa's real he's and he's to- your he dad? He makes toys for a living. <laughs> Children's toys. My mother and my father were the the CEO and the and and the owner and the founder of this company that distributed toys worldwide. So when wow. I was a kid, I was playing nonstop. My imagination was kept alive. My mm. father would play with me all the time. He's always dancing and singing. We're putting on skits. We're dressing up, and he because of his ability to keep his 
child that survived as an adult he gifted me that safe space Mm. to allow me to continue to play so that no matter what happened to me in life I still could access my play so even when I'm like in it I'm still giggling and being goofy because that's just an interlaced part of my nature and so now as an adult for example when I'm making the bed I could be making the bed or my imagination will say, okay, I'm in a TV show and I am competing against a type A Swedish woman (laughs) and we have to press this invisible buzzer and I am being judged on how fast I make the bed and how accurately I make the bed, like how pristine it is. Uh. And I'm going to press this buzzer and I am visualizing in my head that I'm surrounded by camera crew and I'm being timed about how I'm going to make this bed and I press the buzzer and I squeal and I run around the room and I make sure the bed is done well and I tighten the sheets and I make sure the pillows are done and I quick and then and then I wait for the judge's response and I'm swaying and I'm, my heart rate's up and I'm so excited and my bed is pristine. Did and you then win? I get there. Oh, of course. Oh, great. God. <laughs> Sometimes she gives me a run for my money okay, but, okay. and I have lost a few times, but this morning I definitely won. Uh, thank God. Now, I'm with my ex-partner, Andre, and I would introduce him into this. I'm like, all right, we're, we're, picture this. Okay, we're in a TV show. And he's like, Okay, and it takes him a moment to warm up and get into it. But once we get into it, we're so excited. We're sweating a little bit. Our heart rate's up, and we just made the bed. Wow. You're going to be the best mom, by the way. <laughs> You're going to be the best mom. I mean, I'm so inspired by the way that, that you are with Jasper. Like, when you were sharing the stories, like, I'm so there with you because of the depth of love, the capacity in recognizing that you are also his student and your understanding of that. And the way that you play with him and the way that he's his imagination is that fire of his imagination is stoked so deeply by your presence and the way that your whole body lights up when you speak about him i can't help but see the genius that will live on within him because of how you let it live within yourself Mm. and that when you said i just genuinely love hanging out with him and i find him to be fascinating and he's funny and he's interesting and he does presentations to his friends on paleontology (laughs) and then you show me the videos like you are showing me as an inspiration of what it means when a woman that has not lost touch with her play has gifted your son the greatest gift you could give him as his guide and as his steward in this life to know that as an adult he will be tapped into his inlaced genius of play which is where most of his manifestation will come from. Mm. First of all, thank you. Thank you for seeing that. There's like tears in my eyes right now. It's it's the greatest honor of my life is to mother this amazing human and to be his student. And and you just said something that kind of blew my mind. Is it, can you say more about play and manifestation? Because manifestation is a form of prayer, right? So so how you said that play will be his most powerful form of manifestation. Mm-hmm. Right, so can you speak to like how is play a form of prayer or how does play allow us to pray? Mm-hmm. I believe that uh, two of the most heightened states of human consciousness is play and laughter and orgasm. Mm. And I know that you're well versed in the realm of sex magic and manifestation from that place. Now, if we think about it just from an energetic slash vibrational level, meaning how does our insides feel? When I'm laughing, I don't have a relationship with time. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm laughing, I'm not worrying about what's happening tomorrow. When I'm laughing, I'm not worrying about what I did in the past or 
that I haven't forgiven myself for X, Y, and Z. When I'm laughing, I am dropped so deeply into the present moment. I don't want to be anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said that my success barometer is gauged on how much did I laugh today? Because it is the such incredible medicine for every 75 trillion cells of my body to listen and respond to that high ecstatic state. And so if I can infuse the mundane moments with an opportunity, for example, a mundane moment, I got to go get groceries. I'm in the parking lot. I'm sitting in the car. Um, and I'm imagining what it would be like to be so deeply in love with the partner that is going to be the father of my children and feeling that in my body and in my excitement in my being. Now, I'm not I'm not thinking, oh, at some point, how I would feel in a future timeline would be. It's that I'm collapsing that it's actually happening now. Mm -hmm. Because like I said before, the universe doesn't speak English or French. It speaks energy. So if I'm saying to my body every 75 trillion cells that this is actually happening right now and I'm so excited and I'm in love, how would I feel? Oh, my shoulders would be relaxed. My spine would be straight. My heart would be forward. I would be looking down. I'd be feeling myself. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, and also I just received X amount of money that's going to support my mystery school to be able to reach many more women around the world. Oh, how does that feel in my being to have... $10 million in my bank account that can be funneled into being able to be of service and to pay my friends really well. How do I feel right now? Oh, I feel so turned on by my own presence. I'm in the Whole Foods parking lot, P.S. <laughs> okay. I'm feeling it. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I've got my lover. We're, oh, I, oh my gosh. I have my children. I'm going to see you play. Okay. Now when I open the car door, out comes my leg. Da, 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 da. She's here for some eggs. <laughs> I get out my car. I'm going to be walking through aisle three. And I ain't going to be walking. I'm probably going to moonwalk down aisle three. I'm going to put something in my car. I'm going to give a little shimmy. Maybe I'll put some of my favorite music on. I'm going to strut down aisle four as if everything that I've ever wanted in my life is already here right now. Mm. This is playing the mundane, recognizing that that frequency just like orgasm, but if I'm orgasming in hour three, it's probably frowned upon. <laughs> right? If I'm banging one out in hour three and I'm like, yeah, what madness life my dream? Woo! Like, uh, we need to arrest women on hour three. We need to take her into jail. Uh, but if I'm accessing the realm of play in the mundane moments, also massive gratitude to my mother and father for gifting me that opportunity to keep that pilot flame alive within my psyche mm -hmm. that I can access it no matter what happens in life the suffering the pain the hearing loss the heartbreak the breakdowns the having no money it's still a part of the essence of who I am when I'm doing the mundane moments, I'm consciously manifesting that reality into form. I'm collapsing the timeline. I'm playing with the quantum reality of infinite possibilities. In every moment, we have infinite possibilities that can ever happen. If you were to have sat down and planned the way that your life would have gone, it would have been A, boring, <laughs> and B, it's never, ever, ever going to happen Not the way time. that you could ever even imagine. Not one so time what would it look like to, to dance with the mystery of the unknown, but know that I am anchoring in the timeline right now so that I become a vibrational match for everything and everything I didn't even know I wanted mm. to be magnetized into my reality in aisle three while I'm getting X. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, of course we can do pleasure prayer. Yes, we can use our, our sexual energy, our creation energy to manifest. And in all of the other 23 and a half hours of the day <laughs> where perhaps orgasm is not available to us or would be inappropriate to do that, we can play. 
We can charge ourselves with the vibration of the dream as if it is happening now from a place of laughter, which I love what you said, when you're laughing, time collapses, right? And like that's half of the game of manifestation, right? It's, it's folding the timeline on itself so that you can live in the vibration of the dream right now. And another really important ingredient of manifesting is feeling good. So if you are playing and laughing, then you're, then you're creating that ecstatic frequency Mm -hmm. and, and living as if it's so, it's so genius. Mm -hmm. So like, what would you say to someone who's never, who's never manifested before, who like doesn't really have a lot of play or laughter in their life? Like where, where would you suggest that they start? Well, I would say that you have manifested your entire life. Just not consciously. Yeah. Everyone's manifesting all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once we actually realize this, and what I mean by manifesting is just recognizing that as within, so without, your internal state is creating your vibrational charge of what it is that you're calling into your reality. It's like a projector and a projection. Yeah. Like you're the film projector and it is projecting out mm-hmm. on the life everything that's happening internally. So if you want to know what's going on internally with somebody, look at their relationships. Look at the world that they've created around themselves. Look at how clean their room is. Look how much clutter they have in their house. It's all a direct manifestation of that internal narrative. Mm. So we can like put on these fancy outfits and we're going to have a blue check on it, check on Instagram. We've got X amount of followers. We've got all of this money. That's not a representation of what's going on inside of that person. They could be really depressed. They could be really having a challenging time. They could have had many strained relationships. This is really what we want to actually get beyond is this just this illusion of like my worth is placed in something outside of myself Mm. no my beauty is born from how much i love people period Mm. that means it's available to everybody so um so they already are manifesting so we love so we we already are manifesting whether Mm. we know it or not so Mm. the question is like so to start it's like recognize that that we're manifesting all the time yeah all the time become conscious of it Mm -hmm. and then start loving other people more start playing more like how do we say just just like utilize the discernment of that that actually enriches and that that's depleting you okay what's what's making me feel more full more whole what's making me feel more empty so for example who am i following on instagram I go on this person's page. Whenever I'm there, I feel like a little bit shit. I feel like I'm not doing some X, Y, and Z. I feel this experience. Or when I listen to this news, my energy feels really low. When I'm tuned into watching television, I feel this existential dread about being human. Okay, this is an opportunity to navigate. You know what? Actually, turn off the TV then. What would it look like to take your shoes off and go outside? Oh, now I feel much better. My nervous system feels so much more grounded. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You're manifesting a future t- future reality in which you want to live in that moment when your nervous system is relaxed, when your feet are in the earth, because you had the discernment of that that's enriching and that's that's depleting. Mm-hmm. Now, again, w- many small, millions of small decisions uh, are what creates the legacy of our lives. So it's about coming down to the simple moments. What are you doing from the moment you're waking up? How does it feel when you look in your room and your bed's not made? How does it feel when you sit in front of a sacred space that could literally just be in front of a candle and just say 10 things you're grateful for to start your day? It takes mm. 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, we have children, you know, maybe there's like instantly as soon as we wake up, like there's chaos happening in the house. There is an opportunity while we're brushing our teeth to finish brushing our teeth and say thank you 10 times over. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the food in my fridge. When you're focusing on things to be that you're grateful for, you're only going to call in more things to be grateful for. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you want to see 
see more peace, be more peaceful, right? It's just like, it, it it's as within, so without. And so if we're just recognizing that we're always manifesting and in the in-between moments, we have an opportunity to ask ourselves, is this actually enriching me or is this depleting me? And then from that discernment, continuing to eliminate that that is de- depleting and start to create more of a reality that that is enriching. It's just one moment at a time. You don't need to see the whole journey in front of you, just 15 feet in front of you, but making conscious decisions that's actually raising your energy or raising your frequency and over a consistent series of a couple of weeks watch your whole life change Mm. it seems so simple Simple. and so that feels clear like depleting versus enriching but like that that i think i could do and still not play or pray right like now i feel resourced are you saying like from that place then I can play, then I can pray? What if people are like, well, I'm not funny or I'm not creative? Like I wouldn't think of like a Swedish TV show to compete with a Swedish woman. No, I'm making my bed. Like I wonder like how would you help people to start to infuse more like creativity, play games mm-hmm. into those everyday moments? Like from that place of resource, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've, I've started to take away the depleting things. I've started to add in more enriching things. And now how do we move into more play? Mm-hmm. So my question for anyone listening would be, what were you doing at five years old before the world told you who you were supposed to be? Mm-hmm. So for me, I was painting. I was putting on skits for my family, putting on ridiculous outfits and putting on like silly accents and playing this skit. Or I would dance with my dad or I'd make up dances with my sisters. This is what I was doing when I was younger. And then I went into, well, you have to choose a major and this is what it's supposed to be. And in catapulting to the world of over-seriousness and then believing that my success comes from something outside of myself. And constantly being in this consumerism chasing experience, which dampened down that five-year-old self that just loved to sing. Mm. And so asking myself now in this moment, if I can reconnect to that childlike awe and wonder that I have access to at some point in my life, how can I create or infuse at least 30 minutes every single day with redoing that? And not for goal orientated, but process orientated. So for me, when I was painting that woman with the lion, I didn't want to finish it because it wasn't about painting a painting. It was about drifting off into a timeless state so that my mind could shut off for a moment and I can just lose myself in the present moment. Mm. So. If you just have a moment and just go into a meditation and close your eyes or print out a photo of yourself when you were around four or five and look at that version of you and ask yourself, what messages are here for me and how can I reactivate you as an adult? Mm-hmm. And how can I make you proud? And how can I actually create my new version of success is every night before I go to bed to look at that photo of myself and say, are you happy with what I'm doing? Wow. Are you proud of me? Would, are you really excited that of who you've become? Or have I lost connection with you because of some narrative that I believe to be my truth that is actually somebody else's map of consciousness projected onto mine? And when did that happen? Because when I connect with that photo of that child version of myself, I now sit in the kitchen with my sisters. It happened the other night. We're having a conversation. We're just having like a mundane chat. And then I was like, we should do an egg and spoon race. 
Because when I was six, I did egg and spoon races, and that was really fun. So we hard-boiled an egg, and we set up an assault course in the kitchen, and we set up a timer, and all three of us had to get to a certain time, and we were all competing against each other. And we were laughing and giggling and screaming and sweating, and our heart rates were raised. And Mia turned to me, and she said, this is one of the funnest nights I've ever had. Mm. ever now this woman's traveled all over the world she stayed in luxurious places she's hosted retreats we were just having a chat in the kitchen but it turned into a really fun side-splitting laughter because i had reconnected that morning with my childlike self and she said i love egg and spoon races and so it infused mm. that play and that fun back in but yeah. all, all of us for the most part like for the this is the general brushstroke but there was a time when we were playing as kids yeah that feels like such a beautiful clear way in Mm -hmm. because like for you you were playing games with toys and painting and singing someone at five years old might have been dreaming of being an astronaut or going to space or someone might have been a paleontologist like my son or you know maybe really into um drawing like it it, so i think that is a beautiful way to just reconnect with your soul Mm -hmm. your essence your spirit and know that there's no right way to play there's no right way but it's just like what's the purity of your soul want to be reminded of exactly yeah Yeah. and then going in those playful ecstatic states actually is a tool for prayer Mm -hmm. or manifestation because then we're in that timeless joyous full present state and it's, it's, that's like the fertile ground to put our attention and intention mm-hmm. out into the universe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whoa. And children are geniuses. They are activated in their genius. And, you know, we have children that come through into the world and then we think, well, because I'm the parent, then I have to project my map of consciousness of a right and wrong way of doing this thing called life. But actually they are here to teach us to reconnect to our genius that lies latent within us, within our being. But there's a pilot flame that's almost kind of just flickering and almost going out and can be reactivated through us seeing life again through the mystery and the mysticism and the magnetism and the magnitude of the way that a child perceives reality. And that's what I see within you when you talk about Jasper. Mm -hmm. Like, you get into his lens of the way that he perceives the world. Mm. And then you have this activation of this childlike awe and wonder in your presence, even when you're not with him. Yeah. And I would offer to anyone who is a parent, because I feel like so many people use that as like a martyrdom of like, well, I can't, I can't do emotional alchemy work. I can't do emotional clearing because I have a a child. I can't do pleasure prayer because I have a kid. I can't, um, I can't play because I have a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to highlight that actually if you become their apprentice, mm-hmm. that it's built in that like when he's having temper tantrums, rather than like me feeling like, oh, I need to stifle his emotion or I need to control his emotion or I have to regulate myself so that I don't feel uncomfortable with his discomfort. Like what if instead, and there's actually a school of parenting now, it's like you get on the floor with them and you rage with mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And then it's like use the opportunity to yell and punch and scream, not at them, but in the frequency with them so they don't feel alone, so they feel held in it and seen in it and matched in it. And then you personally are getting your own, like like as Regina would call it, swamp out you know um or if they're like running around the house and like making you crazy what if instead you started running around the house Mm -hmm. and dancing and like letting that repressed creativity out and then and then the playfulness is built in right like they're in this state of awe and wonder so you can join in their frequency and apprentice them Mm -hmm. so thank you for that beautiful beautiful lens um i would love to hear 
more about like your your more recent work, like like your your decades now of working with different plant medicines, mm-hmm. how they've shaped your consciousness and and I know they're they're mysteries for a reason, but can you give us a window into the types of mysteries that that people are learning from you? What are you teaching in fluorescence in your mystery school? Mm. So let's just start with just a window into. I know it's hard to to talk about, but you're you're so well versed in with so many different plant medicines, and I've seen you hold space not in in medicine space, but in breathwork space, and I see the pristine clarity with which you do that and so I would just love if you could give us a little window because I think a lot of folks listening maybe they've tried maybe they're curious about it but they they likely don't have a huge breadth of awareness of how different medicines would feel different how to even know where to start um what should they look for in a space holding or what has been your biggest lesson from it I'm just gonna ask you eight more questions how about that I'll just I'll just ask you 20 questions and you can choose which one you want to answer <laughs> Um, medicine work go (laughs) fluorescence modern mystery school for women um was i was co-founded with um with my dear sister reggie river bear and we have just placed in one space everything that has exponentially supported us on our path now i talked about this before um what i share is not the truth like i'm not saying that this is the way I'm saying that these are certain tools that have supported me to actually create a genuine life of magic, a default of magic from deep levels of despair and suffering, isolation, loneliness and sadness and depression into a place of um, everywhere I look, beautiful humans. Like, I really love what it is that I do. I jump out of bed in the morning genuinely and I just make my bed. And yes, of course, there are moments where it's like really tough, but the default is of magic. And from that place sharing um, with other women and other sisters um, these tools that have helped me to activate my power. And again, also a reiteration of you saying at the beginning, like, thank you so much for letting me utilize this space and 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 to share this studio with you. And ultimately, when you win, I win. Like, I feel like when you share your voice and you have a platform and you have your podcast and you are supported in that, the world will be a better place for my children and my children's children because there's another liberated woman sharing her power and her truth and illuminating and liberating others into their truth as well through your transparency and your wisdom. And so I, this is this default setting within fluorescent sisterhood is what mm. is true sisterhood. We have gone through experiences of comparing ourselves with other women, which is ultimately shutting down our own personal power, pedestaling other individuals, saying that there's something outside of them that they have that I do not have. And it's constantly repeti- re- repeating this like competition that is just going back and forth, that it's age old sister wound. Now, and so fluorescence is your, just to clarify, so fluorescence is the name of your modern mystery school for correct. women. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's a sisterhood. It's it's a, it's a it's a mystery school for women to come together and to actually utilize this place as a place of inspiration. So when you have it, see a sister that is singing for the first time, that is inspiring you that you can do it too. When you see a sister sharing a story and it's deep and it's vulnerable, you can also share your story too. And then it's meticulously designed over a seven-week curriculum that is activating us into the gene keys. So we get given our own hologenetic profile, which is based off of the I Ching and astrology. And we have the founder, Richard who is um, basically a sponsor 
and guest speaker and guest teacher in the course that does a full invocation activation within the women to go into their journey of their own gene keys and their genetic imprints and how to find their their superpower based off of their greatest challenges in life, mm. recognizing our greatest challenges also our greatest gift. Let's just highlight that again. Our greatest challenges are our greatest gifts. That it's are great. Like the, the deepest wounds can actually give us our biggest superpowers. Yeah. I can't hear words, but I hear more than most. Oof. I can't hear words, but I hear more than most. That is the truth. That is the truth. I see you listening with a depth and with so many different levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's so magnetizing because all anyone wants to do is to be seen and heard. Exactly. And you really see people and you hear people with this different, with all of you. Mm-hmm. You hear people with all of you. And that's, thank you, by the way. I really, really appreciate that reflection. And it is the most important thing for me is to really, 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 really hear uh, with the entirety of my being on all different dimensions, not just the the, the words. Because 93% of all communication is nonverbal and mm. it's a beautiful realm to operate in once we train ourselves in how to actually truly listen. So that was my greatest challenge, right? I couldn't hear, but I could hear. And I realized it was actually my greatest gift. So we've cultivated this space to recognize that's everybody's truth. And everybody has a challenge and we understand the challenge from the inside out in a safe way where women are genuinely supporting each other's healing Mm. and then activating our superpowers from that place. We also have in this round, we have um, Matthias De Stefano and Zach Bush coming in as guest um, speakers and teachers, uh, recognizing how we can connect with our past lives, um, also healing the microbiome of our gut uh, to um, we do song medicine. So we 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 call the the module of the hollow bone, which is learning to get out of our own way and to create medicine music that comes through us and recognizing that we're not here to perform, we're here to pray. And our song is a part of our prayer. I want to do that. I want to do that. (laughs) So beautiful. Witnessing women that have never sang in public before to start singing. And then not only that, they're creating original music that then they record and then all of a sudden they become a musician and we're watching them give birth to themselves. We have poetry slams. We have... um, we have an in-person meetup at the end where we go do full full ceremony. Um, we have what does uh, that reconnecting mean, a full to our pleasure. Uh, so we have like a, a ceremony where all of the sisters come together after eight weeks of or seven weeks of journeying online, and then we in physical uh, we sit in a, a circle and we um, activate the gifts that we've unlocked within the seven week program. We witness each sister in their presence, in their song, in their expression, in their realizations, their revelations, their breakdowns and their breakthroughs in a safe way of genuine, deep encouragement, support and accountability. Um, And so there's uh, many different modules that we go through over the seven weeks. We also work with our altar and how to work with the directions, what it means to have an altar, what it means to actually pray, to have a place of a direct conversation between you and that that cannot be named and um, how to work with the elements to activate the elements within our physical body, activate the elements on our altar and to create a portal space to have that conversation. Um, And then after that, once we do the first round and we get the foundation um, key pieces in place, then the second level of that is where we go um, out to Peru and we take the women to um, work with plant medicines with the indigenous teachers that we've created a deep reciprocity and relationship with um, in a safe passage, in a safe way, held in sisterhood with the tools. Because if we're going to sit with plant medicine, we don't have any tools. We're just like, oh, I felt a call to go sit with ayahuasca, but I don't know how to meditate. Or I don't know how to pray. Or I don't have any relationship to integration. Like, Or I don't have any accountability. It's actually can be very dangerous. Yeah. And so it's really important that these foundational pieces are locked in so that you have all these tools in your tool belt and you can pull on them whenever you need to be a medicine woman is to be that which is needed 
Oh, I remember you said this to me because you we were talking about the idea of a witch. And you're like, I don't really love that word witch, which is unusual in our communities. Most people really love calling themselves witches. But you're like, I don't love that word witch, but I just want to be that which, which is, is needed. needed. Yeah. Oh, that which is needed. Because then and you have the tools in the toolbox. Like, oh, okay, right now, that which is needed is this song about the earth. Oh, I have that in my toolbox because mm-hmm. I learned that because I have a plethora of songs available, ready to go whenever I need one. Yeah. Like, that which is needed right now is more of a grounded masculine energy because of my relationship with the earth element. And now I know how to take care of my taxes in a sacred <laughs> ceremonial way. Or I know how to clean my room and, and finish my to-do Wait, list. Wait, can that be your next course? Doing your taxes in a sacred ceremonial yeah, way with it's blue? Part of it. It's a part of it. How do we bring ceremony to every aspect of our lives? And how do we do the things we don't want to do with 200%? Uh, yeah, just like one click more pleasure, one click more joy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so thank you so much for creating that container where people are equipped with meditation, integration, prayer, before you blast them open with plant medicine because you're right so many people are just like nine to five have never done therapy have never done meditation don't understand the concept of devotion or prayer and then they're blasting themselves open with these medicines and it's 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 they might have a good experience they might have a traumatic experience but either way it's like it's hard to integrate that back into life Mm -hmm. so thank you Mm -hmm. so two questions why one why just women and two why men teachers for a female container so why just women is that a lot of my code, specifically with Reggie and myself, we met in an online women's sister circle. There is a specific n- noticeable difference when women are in just with women. There is a safety that they feel that allows them to unlock and unravel in a deeper way. Um, and a lot of what we're talking about is like also recognizing the power of what it means to have a yoni, to be a bearer of the Stargate Enterprise between yoni, one dimension Yoni, a.k.a. And pussy, a.k.a. Pussy, vulva. Vagina, a, vulva, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but to recognize that it is a Stargate Enterprise from one dimension to the next. Wait, okay, hold please. Oh, so I, I call it hoo-ha. Oh, there's so many words for this. Oh, yoni, hoo-ha, pussy. But that this could be a Stargate Enterprise from one dimension to the next. Is the that what you said? The non-physical realm uh-huh. to the physical realm. Right, like that through which every human has been birthed. Every single person on this planet came through one of those. Uh-huh. What would it look like if the women that are actually bearing children become so self-aware that they're no longer projecting their past trauma, pain, or hurt onto the child, therefore setting that child up to be able to live a free-thinking life? When you have so many free-thinking children, you have a very difficult generation to control. Mm-hmm. What would it look like to empower the mothers of the children and the importance of that work? Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that men or women, that there's that the future is female. I don't agree with that. I think Mm-mm. the future is integrated. But there has to be a reclamation of the balance for the next generation to be free-thinking individuals. And the reason why we have men facilitators come in, because they are anchoring in the divine masculine code. They are embodiment of divine masculine. They have integrated their feminine and their masculine aspects within their own psyche. They've activated this awakened point, which has created a massive body of work that has shifted the evolution of consciousness as we know it. And these are leading edges of their craft, walking the walk in a deep level of integrity. And so for the first time ever, we have three masters coming in and teaching that are pinnacles of the divine masculine so that we can actually re-regulate the women's nervous systems to what it actually means to be in the presence of the divine masculine Mm. creates a new reference point Mm -hmm. so it's very healthy for the women to witness men show up as their teachers and their guides and their protectors but also recognizing that we have cultivated a space for women to feel safe and protected so that they can completely unravel in their sacred shit so their greatest gift can be born from their challenge Mm. what's sacred shit sacred shit 
my jealousy, my unworthiness, me feeling like, how could anybody love that side of me? I'm so disgusting. What would it look like to be witnessed in that and loved for it too? Yeah. To be witnessed in our sacred shit is one of the greatest gifts we could be ever given if we're being witnessed from a place of complete unconditional love and eyes through the beloved that is no, holds no judgment to what is coming out right now so that I can actually refine what is left once the fire burns everything to the ground. Mm. We take that ash, we put it on our third eye, we move forward with our drums and our peace paint as sisters with our titties out, moving forward for a beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Mm. Yeah, to the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. One filled with play, one filled with prayer, one filled with people reclaiming their power and and being seen and witnessed in the sacred shit that we all share. Mm-hmm. That is unifying for all of us. Wow, Blue, I love you so much. It's true, my prayer was answered. I already loved you, but I knew I would love you even more, and it is true. I'm so grateful for this time with you. I'm so grateful for your lifetime of dedication to little blue, to playfulness, to creativity, and to manifesting not only for yourself, but for this more beautiful world that we're all going to birth together. Mm. Um, Is there anything else that you would love to share? Anything you would love to leave with folks or anything you wish that I had asked, like a preview into where you think the world is going and how we can prepare for that or anything else? Um, Well, I don't feel like there's anything that I wish you had asked. I think you've conducted this interview beautifully oh, and you've you. definitely done your research and you've also been super present and you've combined the masculine and the feminine, which is the structure and the study while also a deep level of listening and what's most alive and you've asked really piercing questions that allow me to feel seen. And so I just want to say like, good oh, job. I'm giving myself so many gold stars right now. I love <laughs> so gold many stars. gold stars. You are covered in gold stars. <laughs> Great. Um, and the direction that I believe that we're moving in, I believe that we are moving in, um, societal decline around systems of control and we're already seeing this as it's, it's completely crumbling in every direction that we're looking at and also at the same time anything that's built from a place of win lose slash control win or lose zero sum. so I'm i win i get all this money but you're losing because you're actually just like living to pay rent and caught up in this whole system that is actually not serving you and is creating you to be sick and is continuing to feed division. It's a win-lose situation. A lot of our societal constructs are built from win-lose situation. It's actually making us very sick and very divided. So this isn't working because we're evolving as a species. And in 2027, we're going to go through a massive evolution of consciousness or shift of consciousness. In 2012, it was a half degree shift. 2027 is a full degree shift. So we're going to see that any areas that is founded on control, that is founded on profit, that is not supporting life will crumble. And so I believe that first and foremost, you can see it over the last couple of years, we've gone through a collective emotional ayahuasca ceremony, meaning that people are purging and looking at themselves in different ways. People you would never imagined are asking the deeper questions. Consciousness now becoming a thing. This podcast is going to be the leading edge of a wave that's about to hit on a global level where people are asking deeper questions of why. People are actually genuinely wanting to heal. So many people are starting to turn to plant medicines or requiring safe spaces. We can't get enough safe places for people to be able to feel their emotions (laughs) after generations of suppression 
It's going to be gnarly before it gets better. But the only way that we can actually create a house that's built on integrity is to recognize there is mold in the cracks and the walls of this structure of society. And we can put paint over the outside of the mold, but we are breathing it and we are getting sick. So it looks all nice from the outside because we decorated it all nice. But if there are mold, if it's mold in the foundation of your house, you have to rip down the entirety of the house to then rebuild it from a place of integrity so anything rotten at the foundation of humanity is going to crumble just like if you say a lie and it slips out of your mouth that will return to you because it's not in integrity and so that is the law of karma there's an individual karma and there's collective karma Liz really feeling it right now. I really, My dog she's is like, here preach it, stuff. mama, preach it. Yeah, yeah, she's like, go, mama, let's go, let's I'm go. I'm here for the new stage. world. I'm here for center she's stage. Fluffy. 2027, <laughs> things are changing, and I'm the queen. I'm the head bitch in yeah, charge. Yeah, she is. I mean, I am just a humble slave. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's got me really trained. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a deep initiation. People are going to be connecting with their multidimensional selves. Uh, uh, they're going to be connecting with alien life force, different planet planets and communication, different dimensions. I mean, it's going to get real trippy. It already has been. Most people are just really good at concealing it, hiding it. When they have these weird experiences and they go off and they sit in meditation, all of a sudden they're communicating with an alien being, and they're like, what is happening? I'm never going to tell my wife and kids. I'm going to think I'm going, to think I'm going to completely insane. Actually, we're becoming sane in a completely insane world. We're becoming sane in a completely insane world. And it feels like as things start to change, as the systems of control start to crumble, that can be obviously very fear-inducing. And yet, if we have been resourcing ourselves, if we've been asking the question of like, what is nourishing versus what is depleting, if we are finding play inside of the mundane, I really think that those muscles will serve us Mm -hmm. as we move through what will be, what we know for sure is change. Mm -hmm. We don't know what kind, we don't know how fast, we don't know what, but but that feels true of like the, the systems of control will crumble. And I love that analogy of just because you put pretty paint on the walls does not mean that they are not filled with toxic mold Mm -hmm. and so if we want a sustainable house we're going to have to destroy some things but good news creation comes right behind destruction exactly you see a forest fire and all of it looks like pure apocalyptic destruction but then the ashes from the actual fire creates the fertile really fertile soil for new growth to be born it's all part of the cycle we're cyclic beings we also operate in cycles with the seasons we also operate in history repeating itself and cycles within human civilization and earth and so it's just about looking at the pattern and yeah. um it, it, we can feel it everywhere we look everywhere we go we're having these deeper conversations everybody that's tuning into this podcast that's got to this point in the podcast there's going to be a deep level of resonance that hits within the core of their being it's a remembrance that's always been within them since the moment they were born and right now we're just peeling back the layers of the illusion that we've ever been told that is not actually truth and to start to learn to navigate this world based off of how does it feel in your body not how does it land in your mind how does it feel in your body, not how does it land in your mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Blue, everything you said has just felt so true in my body. It's felt so activating in my body. So again, thank you. Thank you for your brilliance, for your beauty, for your love, for the unity that you create in the world. You truly do embody um, your namesake. Mm. So I love you. Uh, All right, sweet friends. Thank you for going on this wild, beautiful ride with us. Thank you for joining me for why isn't everyone doing this? Why isn't everyone playing and praying? If you enjoyed this, I would invite you to follow. And I want you to know that Obviously, this woman has so much to teach. She has so much to share. We could talk for eight more hours, and she's very kindly offered to do um, a special 
a special bonus teaching, like a masterclass on how do we actually play? How do we start to infuse more play, more prayer into our lives? So we have teachers like Blue, like Layla Martin, like Aubrey Marcus. If you're interested in these um, deeper teachings that we couldn't fit inside of the podcast, you can go to zivameditation.com slash why this for the, let's call it the VIP after party. Uh, But I love you so, so much. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And thank you for giving us your most valuable thing, which is your time and your attention. 